More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Third hour of Clay and Buck kicks off right now. And as promised, we have with us right now, Senator Rand Paul. Uh, Senator Paul, great to have you back with us, sir, representing the wonderful state of Kentucky. Um, You want to talk to us about AI. We haven't really gotten into it that much on the program. Maybe we should more going forward. What are the primary things that people all across the country right now need to know when it comes to artificial intelligence and what are your concerns you know our concern is that the government use a tool like this to actually spy on its own citizens you know when i first read 1984 when i was a kid and i was concerned but i really wasn't alarmed because i said hey government doesn't have two-way television screens they can't surveil all of us all the time because they don't have the technology we now have the technology and the technology itself is not evil or bad technology is neither technology is neutral but it's a technology that controls through a great amount of information so if the government decides to use artificial intelligence on twitter or social media to look for certain phrases that they find to be disinformation or the government doesn't like. Let's say, for example, that I say COVID vaccines aren't really necessary for children who've already had COVID. There's a lot of scientific evidence to back that up, but it's an opinion and you can have an alternative opinion. But what if those code words are put into an algorithm, uh, artificial intelligence then trolls through the internet and then the government takes down comments it doesn't like? That's a real First Amendment problem. And so my point in the hearing today on the Hill was that it's not just about regulating technology. It's about saying you cannot use technology to limit speech that is protected by the Constitution. Senator, how transformative do you think AI is going to be in all facets of life? And I ask this question because it wasn't very long ago that Mark Zuckerberg came out and he said, hey, I'm changing the entire name of Facebook to Meta because I believe this online metaverse is going to be rapidly the future. I think that has crumbled in the last year. You heard a lot about Meta. Based on what you are seeing associated with AI, how transformative is it? 
in the next four or five years, how much different might our lives be based on the growth and transformations effect of AI? I think the first thing is, is I do not preach irrational fear of technology or of artificial intelligence. It can be used for good. It can be used for harm. There are many things where there's a great deal of information. So we had one of our experts today, Jacob Siegel, who wrote uh, a great essay on tablet that I recommend. And he used to be an intelligence officer in the military. And he says, for foreign purposes, there's some, some usefulness to taking artificial intelligence. If we've been eavesdropping on either phone calls or communications, and we have large caches of information on people who might be our enemies, artificial intelligence to troll through that to find things is important. But it's different if someone has a large database of Americans' phone calls and wants to troll through that because we have First Amendment rights, we have Fourth Amendment rights. It's different on where you apply it. So artificial intelligence applied to combing through communications for intelligence of people who don't live in the United States, I'm all for that. If you want to troll through Americans' uh, conversations, uh, I'm completely against it. You should have to go to a judge on an individualized basis and ask for a warrant and present probable cause why you want to listen to this information. So it really is a matter of obeying the Constitution that's important to me, not the technology. As far as transformative, yeah, I think it will be, but I think we don't have to have undue fear of this. We just have to keep in perspective And this has been going on for a while, even without AI, going all the way back to 9-11. The Department of Homeland Security has been spying on Americans, people who are pro-life, people who are pro-Constitution, people who support certain candidates are part of a profile of people that they talk about that they should have increased or stepped up observation of these people. And I think that's wrong. And so it's not just artificial intelligence. Really, it's about trying to say government should not be snooping on Americans. Speaking of Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky, uh, Senator Paul, I, I wanted to switch gears and get your take on um, just not really so much the latest in Ukraine, but the overall policy trajectory. I mean, in the last 24 hours, there have been there's a major missile barrage of Russian missiles missiles fired at Ukraine, the uh, Kiev, the capital city of Ukraine. It feels like this just continues to uh, drag on, escalate more casualties, more money. What do you make of the policy right now that this country has toward Ukraine, and do you think that it could it could and should be changed in 2024? Well, so far we've given about $100 billion uh, to Ukraine. Money we don't have, it has to be borrowed from China to send to Ukraine. Now, as far as sympathies, sure, my sympathies are with the uh, underdog, with a country that's been attacked with Ukraine. I think Putin made a, an unwise decision, will turn out to be one of the worst decisions he's ever made or any leader made, because he's now trapped in a war he can't win. Likewise, I don't think Ukraine can win either, and I don't think we should be for sending unlimited money that we don't have that we have to borrow to send to them. I think the longer the the money spigot stays open, the longer the war continues. And really, there have to be some realistic limits. There needs to be a negotiated solution because neither side is going to win an outright unconditional surrender from the other. And so, one, we don't have the money, but two, I think more lives will be lost and the country will be further destroyed if the war continues on year after year. Senator, I know a lot of the Durham report findings had been widely discussed, uh, certainly on this program and many others over the years. You've run for president before. How do we fix the FBI? What, what do we need to do to to make it actually a trustworthy governmental institution again? What would you do if you were tasked with that responsibility? 
the number one most important thing is we should not be allowed to spy on Americans or invade Americans' privacy without an order from a judge, from an Article Three judge. What happened to the Trump uh, campaign was that the FBI went after them using foreign intelligence surveillance court orders. So this, this court was set up in the 1970s to go after foreigners. That's the name, foreign intelligence surveillance, and instead is being used against Americans. I have a simple amendment to FISA, and it simply says FISA can't be used on Americans. And people say, well, what if the American is a terrorist? Go to a judge. I don't know a judge in America that won't give you a warrant if you come with evidence that somebody is colluding with some foreign power to be a terrorist in this country. Most of 9-11, most of the information we had was not divulged, not for a denial of a warrant. They never asked for a warrant. So after 9-11, they came to us and said, oh, we need all this extra power because we need to be able to get people who are in the country, like the hijackers that were here. Nobody asked for a warrant on any of the potential hijackers. We knew who some of them were, but nobody ever asked for a warrant from a judge that was turned down. So we have the tools and the ability to do this by the Constitution. The FBI wouldn't have all these abuses if they weren't allowed to use spies on Americans. So the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court should be precluded from and only used for foreigners, not on Americans. And Senator Paul, one more for you. The uh, oh, Clay, Clay has. Go ahead, Clay. You wanted to go again. Well, no, I was just gonna. You ask your question, then I'm gonna ask. And we got a primary going on in Kentucky. I want to make sure we encourage people to go vote and why that's important. No, I like. I like. You. I, no, no, no. I like your question more, Clay. Go, go, please. Uh, Senator Paul, you're in Kentucky right now. Obviously, a lot of our Kentucky listeners. There is a primary to select the nominee to take on the governor. It's a Democrat governor. You lived through what Governor Bashir did associated with COVID. He got almost everything wrong. How important is it that all of our listeners out in Kentucky go and select a, uh, a, a nominee today, but then also zealously support that nominee up into the election in November? Yeah, I think we have several good candidates. I haven't endorsed in the primary, but I will endorse the winner of the primary today. I also think that the election in the fall will be closer than many think. Kentucky's a state that's been leaning Republican for quite a while, but uh, the race will be a 50-50 race in the fall. But the job of the Republican nominee will be to remind Kentuckians that this governor actually shut down churches on Easter and sent the state government agents to take down license plates of people going to church. This governor forbid travel. This governor forbid going to school. And almost every one of this governor's emergency edicts were later struck down by by federal judges. So these were big things that we're not going to forget very soon. And whoever the nominee is, it's their job to remind the voters and remind people of Kentucky of the authoritarian impulse, of the authoritarian actions of this governor, because what happened under COVID should never, ever happen again. Senator, this is a perfect uh, moment to let you take a crack at our throwback clip here. This is... Rochelle Walensky, um, I think this is 2022, um, or maybe it's 22. Yeah, 2022. Uh, here she is saying that masks are 80% effective. Play it. The evidence is clear. Masks can help prevent the spread of COVID-19 by reducing your chance of infection by more than 80%. Whether it's an infection from the flu, from the coronavirus, or even just the common cold. In combination with other steps like getting your vaccination, hand washing and keeping physical distance, wearing your mask is an important step you can take to keep us all healthy. Senator Paul, you're also doc 
you're also Dr. Paul, and that was November 2021. 80%, they say, stops COVID by 80%. Even Anthony Fauci no longer believes this. He was interviewed by the New York Times in an extensive piece about a week or two ago, and Fauci's response was, well, mask, you know, uh, maybe 10% effective on the margins if you wear one of the really highly effective ones. So even Fauci admits they weren't working, even though he was plastering them all over his face. It was all theater. It was all about submission. And really, there's no good scientific evidence. There's been a Cochrane study, a multivariate analysis of many different studies, and it came to the conclusion no randomized controlled studies have shown that masks work in the public setting. And so we were forced to do things based on pseudoscience, based on Fauci's impulse to authoritarianism. But there was no real evidence that masks work. The mandates didn't work. If you look what states and counties that put the mandates on, no relation to any reduction in infection. Basically, they were dishonest with us. But this is why trust and belief in public health officials as at all-time low. They brought it on themselves by being dishonest with the public. Senator Rand Paul, always appreciate you, sir. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, guys. You know, inflation and prices are rising, and the banking crisis, it's not over, folks. Could get worse. With the current volatility out there in the markets, how are your retirement accounts doing? The Phoenix Capital Group says the time to diversify your investments is right now. They recommend high-value U.S. oil and gas investments with current yields that range from 8% to 12% APY paid monthly. That's a better rate of return than banks or CDs with no middleman. There are both Regulation A-plus and Regulation D corporate bond offerings with different maturities, qualifications, and rates. There's also a 9% APY starting at a $5,000 investment open to all investors. Download the Phoenix Group's free investor guide today at phxonair.com. I'm a Phoenix Group investor, by the way, just so you know, Phoenix Capital. I've invested, so it's uh, something that I think you should definitely give a long look to, my friends. Before making investment decisions, you should carefully consider and review all risks involved. Learn how you can diversify your investments and earn 8 to 12% APY. Download the Phoenix Group's free investor guide today at phxonair.com. One truth revealed after another. Clay, Travis, and Buck Sexton. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. 
This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, from this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. want to reiterate for all of our listeners in Kentucky, you have a disaster of a governor. He got everything wrong on COVID. We are number one in Louisville, monster audience in Lexington. Lots of you listening in the Bluegrass State right now. You can pick a variety of different candidates right now in the primary. Get out and vote and be ready because it is going to be a battle royale to win in November because Bashir is going to have the full power of the drug industry apparatus, the Pfizer and Moderna Corps. They're going to pour money in on him because he supported them in COVID, and they're going to try to get him across the finish line to win again. And, Buck, unfortunately, the number one story of COVID has been all of the governors who got everything wrong for the most part, got reelected, except out in Nevada, almost every incumbent won. So there aren't a lot of elections that are taking place in 2023. This is one in November. We just had Rand Paul on. I want to encourage all of you to get out and vote, uh, and then whomever the nominee is to support that individual because it is important to beat Bashir and hold him responsible for all the failures that he represented during COVID. Remember, Louisiana and... um uh, Kentucky were the only states with Democrat governors in the entirety of what I would call the SEC footprint, basically the South in general. And it's not a surprise that those two states had the most restrictive COVID rules out there, and Bashir got everything wrong, so I think this is significant. Now, positive news, Buck. Sometimes I think we just drown in negativity on a day-to-day basis. This is really good news. Uh, Jim Justice is running. He's the current governor of West Virginia. There is going to be a competitive primary in uh, the West Virginia Senate race. But Jim Justice, according to a recent poll, has a 14-point lead over Joe Manchin. And I think it is becoming very, very likely that Joe Manchin is not going to run at all and that West Virginia is going to put a Republican in in the Senate. This, of course, would even things up 50-50. We'll see what happens with Kirsten Cinema, But with Ohio and Montana also out there as very much Republican states with Democrat senators, there is a lot of good reason to favor the map in the Senate to put Republicans back in control, even if they potentially manage to drag Biden across the finish line. So I don't think Manchin is going to run. I pay a lot of attention. Unfortunately, I think he may end up running as an independent candidate. 
in the uh, 2024 election, which the data reflects might well help Joe Biden because Republicans would be somewhat inclined to vote for Manchin. Don't underrate the diabolical nature of Democrats. We played for you, John Fetterman, earlier. But look, Trump won West Virginia by nearly 40 points. The idea that West Virginia has a Democrat senator at all is absurd. I don't think Manchin's going to run. Whoever wins the Republican primary, I believe, will represent West, by God, Virginia uh, in the United States Senate come the 2024 election. So this is a big deal. It's good news, good momentum, solid candidates there. Uh, We need to go ahead and get that race taken care of. When you said good news, I thought you were going to talk about the – Martha Martha Stewart cover of Sports <laughs> Illustrated. <laughs> when when you know are you going to get to this, Clay? What are we going to talk about? This Martha Stewart is over eighty, and she's on the cover of the new Sports okay. Illustrated. Are you going to? I think you're going to say it before I do. So I say she looks great. I got to say, so I, I, I want to look anywhere near that good in my eighties. She looks fantastic. Well, the wild thing is, Buck, they've got a trans Sports Illustrated swimsuit cover model. They got a dude on the cover of Sports Illustrated in a swimsuit pretending to be a woman. And this ties in, unfortunately, with what I think I think this is one prediction you've got 100% right. Within a few years, if you don't want to date trans women, yes. you are going to be transphobic. If you I've don't been telling date, everybody this all along, and people say, Buck, that's crazy. I'm like, guys, look at my prediction record. I see the crazy libs coming a mile away. They are 100% going to say that you are transphobic if you don't want to make out with the dude pretending to be a chick. That That's where this is headed. Which, as recently as the 90s, was... Remember Ace Ventura? When he finds out that, that, that Einhorn is Finkel, spoiler alert, and Finkel is Einhorn, and realizes that he made out with a dude? Go yeah. watch that movie today. You couldn't even think of making it. Think, you know, Dan Marino, by the way, uh, not bad. Not bad in that pretty movie. Good actor. Just, you know, pretty pulled it off pretty well, Dan Marino. Better than Shaq and Kazam or whatever it was. Kazam. <laughs> There's an IRS tax refund program benefiting small business owners. It's called the Employee Retention Credit or the ERC. No company we know of has done more to help small business owners with this tax refund than Innovation Refunds. Using their easy-to-navigate website, GetRefunds.com, small business owners can find out in 10 minutes or less if their business qualifies. If you're a small business owner, it may be the most valuable 10 minutes you spend this month. Innovation Refunds has already completed over 17,000 returns for many kinds of businesses just like yours. Small business owners, some of them at least, have been told by their CPA they wouldn't qualify because their business didn't lose money during the pandemic. But if that's happened to you, it might be worth getting a second opinion from Innovation Refunds. They've helped businesses get more than $5 billion in refunds to date. Go to GetRefunds.com to start the process. There's no upfront charge. They don't get paid unless you get paid. GetRefunds.com or download the app from the App Store today. I just feel they're far apart. It doesn't seem to be that they want it. It seems that they want to look like they're in a meeting, but they're not They're not talking anything serious. And in the meantime, we just watched the CEO come out and say we're $100 billion further in there. Seems more like they want to default than a deal. Kevin McCarthy there, Speaker of the House, talking about the debt ceiling. Is it a fight? Is it a fight worth having? And who's going to win? What's going to happen? Let's bring on... Congressman Mike Johnson of uh, Louisiana right now going to talk to us about it. Congressman, appreciate you being on the show. I think it's first time. 
Yes, and I'm excited about it, guys. Great to hear your voices. So tell us what we can expect here from, you know, I, I worry, Congressman, that anytime now someone brings up the debt ceiling, it's just uh, to borrow from Yogi Berra, deja vu all over again, right? I mean, we, we have this fight. They raise the debt ceiling. Nothing really changes. Is that going to happen this time? Is anything going to change? And and what do you want people to know about the debt ceiling uh, issue overall? Well, great, great question. Look, this is different because for the first time, Republicans have stood together in a long time and put a, a big flag in the ground, guys. We cannot continue on the spending trajectory that we're on. We have a 31.7 now trillion dollar federal debt. We're digging a hole so deep that our grandchildren won't be able to climb out of it. So we have to force the way, you know, the federal government does business, the way we, we balance the checkbook, so to speak. And so we've done that here. So here, here's the, the headline. You got to remember House Republicans are the only ones who have passed legislation to raise the debt ceiling, but we did it in a responsible, reasonable, sensible way because we're addressing the, the debt crisis at the same time. We got to limit Washington's irresponsible spending. Or, or we're never going to be able to climb out of this mess. Do you think Biden's going to actually negotiate? I mean, my theory, and Buck and I have talked about this on the show, is that the debt ceiling gets a ton of attention. But I think most people out there listening anticipate that there will be a resolution and the country's not going to spiral into chaos over this. But that requires Joe Biden actually coming to the table. Do you think he will? I think he'll be forced to at the end. I think public pressure is mounting. Everybody understands what's at stake here. We cannot default on the nation's debt. I don't think we will. Um, you got to remember, too, that he's a complete hypocrite on the issue. I mean, before he was the president, he was a senator, and he used to be in charge of these negotiations. And we've got a catalog of quotes that he had back in, you know, as re recently as 2011, when he was the guy over here negotiating with uh, House Republicans and, and saying that, they, the Republicans had to come to the table. They had to negotiate. It would be a complete dereliction of duty if it didn't happen. And this is an important and responsible thing to do, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, Schumer used to say the same things. But now the shoe's on the other foot, and so they're playing, trying to play hardball. I, I think they're going to be forced to the table, guys. I think the people are going to demand it. We can't default on the debt. It would, it would have uh, terrible consequences across the economy, not just here but around the globe, and everybody knows that. Congressman Johnson, I know you're also involved in the – FACE Act, uh, which deals with the protection of pregnancy resource centers, churches, and pro-life advocates. Tell, tell us, first off, what the situation is that faces those organizations and individuals and, and what the FACE Act would do. Yeah, look, this is a really important federal statute that most people aren't aware of, but we had a big hearing, high-profile hearing here uh, today in our Constitution and Limited Government Subcommittee, and I, I chair that committee under judiciary. And we're looking at this act. It was passed back in 1994, and the point of the, of the bill was to provide protection on both sides, okay? It prohibits threats of force and obstruction and, and, and property damage uh, intended to interfere with reproductive health care services. Okay, fine, that's abortion clinics, but it also protects pro-life pregnancy counseling services and, and facilities that do that kind of work as well. But here's the problem. Under Attorney General Merrick Garland, the FACE Act has been stripped of its intent, right? He's using it as a tool to prosecute pro-lifers and insulate the people who are carrying out the attacks on their facilities. I mean, churches, pregnancy care centers, we've all seen since the Dobbs opinion was leaked, they've been vandalized, Molotov cocktails through the windows, you know, they spray painted all these terrible messages on the outside of the buildings. Guess what? The FBI under Merrick Garland has done absolutely nothing about more than 100 cases documented. They've had one 
little indictment instance on a, on a, a situation down in Florida. The rest of them have gone completely, uh, you know, ignored. And that is not a proper application of the law. And it shows the bias that, that is across this Department of Justice, and we have to address it. There's been an awful lot of conspiracies that have been proven true. We've talked about it on this show. COVID, um, so many things that if you said, oh, you can't say that, it ends up being true. Certainly now with the Durham report coming out, you can say that virtually everything surrounding the Russia collusion hoax that was labeled a huge conspiracy for disputing actually now has been proven to have been true too. Do you get the sense that this is resonating with people or... Can Democrats just sweep it under the rug and pretend that none of this happened and most in their base and most in the independent voter universe don't really take note? Look, that's a great question. Okay, I'm on the the select committee on the weaponization of the federal government. Jim Jordan and I and the others are are trying to uncover all of these abuses. And the deeper we dig, guys, the the, the more frightening it becomes, frankly. It's even worse than than our instincts uh, told us. I mean, you have so many agencies of the federal government under this administration you know, they're designed to protect and serve the American people. They have literally been weaponized and turned against the people they're supposed to serve. Now, you could go down the alphabet soup of agencies, but, I mean, the Department of Justice itself, the FBI, I mean, they're involved in these these incredible things. And the Durham report makes that clear. I mean, we had partisan hostility in play there. And the FBI, in, in, in his quote, failed to uphold their important mission of strict fidelity to the law. That is a serious problem in a constitutional republic like ours, and we have to fix it. That's our responsibility to do it because the people are losing their faith in these institutions. That's the greatest threat. Congressman, we appreciate the time. Keep up the fight. We will. Thanks, guys. Good talk to you. Look, i got to tell you, Mike Lindell and the team at MyPillow do all they can to bring you great value on as many items as they can. And right now they got a towel set, six-piece that is made with USA cotton. And, man, it is phenomenal. Two towels, two hand towels, two washcloths. You can get hooked up regular price on this set, $99. This week it's available for just 25 bucks. That's a 70% savings. Plenty of different colors, styles, sizes. You can go check it out for yourself at MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener's special square. Clearance price, $25 on the towel set. Deal won't last for long. Enter our names, Clay and Buck, as the promo code. You can also call 800-792-3269. Again, two bath towels, two hand towels, two washcloths. Usually 99 bucks. Right now, 25 bucks. Do it today at MyPillow.com. Subscribe to CNB 24-7 and never miss a minute of Clay and Buck while getting behind-the-scene access to special content for members only. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2 of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, from this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Welcome back in. All right, I'm trying to bring as much good news as I can. Virtually every college and university in America is abandoning their COVID shot requirements for students, Buck. Uh, I tweeted this link out. They're doing a good job fighting it. It's basically down to New York and California schools that are still requiring it. But I want to give a shout out to these guys uh, because they are monitoring this in an aggressive way. NoCollegeMandates.com is the website. If you've got kids or grandkids who are soon going to be entering college, I know it's graduation season, a lot of people out there uh, graduating both from college and uh, and high school uh, in these weeks around now, and NoCollegeMandates.com is doing a good job of tracking this. I just want to point out, I don't remember any actual vaccine ever being pulled off of the mandatory shot list at any of these colleges and universities before. This is a default acknowledgement that there's no protection provided and uh, that there was no legitimacy for this in the first place. And probably, frankly, Buck, also an acknowledgement that some of these universities are nervous about the health consequences that could come from young and healthy people getting a shot for a virus they likely have already had multiple times at this point. Uh, so I wanted to mention that. We started off the show having some fun with this. Martha Stewart, 81 years old, on the cover of Sports Illustrated, Buck. And I asked this question. If SI came to you and they said, we want to put you, Buck Sexton, on the cover of SI in a bathing suit, how long would you need to be given to get in shape? How aggressive would your training regimen be? Would you go with these shots that all the celebrities are taking now that is making people lose weight. Like, what would your play be if SI right. came to you there's and some, said, you are sex important, personified, we're putting you on the cover? There's there's some important parameters here for your question. First of all, I mean, are we talking, are we talking, uh, you know, Speedo, like Mankini yeah, I think situation? In, I think you'd have to be in a Speedo. You're talking Speedo? Whoa, because <laughs> now, now we're looking at male thigh. And male thigh is not something that should be exposed outside the confines of the bedroom to one's wife. <laughs> um, male thigh is not generally an attractive thing. Let's be honest. You know, it's just, it's just not our best, not our best look for the, uh, 
for the XY uh, chromosome folks. So, um, I mean, if it were my only job, if it were my only job, I think I could get it done in four months would be safe. Three months would be doable. If it were, if I had to fit it in with life and keep doing this radio show and things like that, oh, six months, six months. Well, the other thing about the Speedo that's underrated is it like probes into the back. So if you have stomach fat or back fat, in addition to your fear about the, uh, the, like the, 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 the flab roll over the top of the Speedo would not be a good look. Now you could arguably get airbrushed. But I know some people are coming after Martha Stewart over this. I think she actually looks really good for over 80. Oh, I'm, I mean, I'm in favor. I mean, look, it, this is Martha Stewart. Uh, you know, now I'm going to say Martha Stewart's in her 80s. She looks fantastic. Okay. She looks great for her age and, and, and has, you know, she's not one of these people. I see this all the time now. There's this aesthetic of people doing so much stuff to their faces in terms yeah. of plastic surgery and so much stuff to their bodies with all of this plastic surgery. Look, I, I get it. You know, people want to, you know, do a little work here or there. And I, I'm not, I'm not here to judge, although I am a radio host, so we kind of judge everything, but people do too much now. I mean, I yeah, see these I women on, on the real housewife shows. I legitimately don't watch them, but I see them, you know, popping up on social media and stuff and their faces look like uh, a sheet of plastic because they've done so much Botox and they've done so much stuff to them. It's not. It doesn't look healthy. It doesn't look natural. So Martha Stewart looks, you know, I'm sure, look, I'm sure she's had some stuff done. I'm not saying, but she looks like a normal person and actually looks great for her age and looks feminine. So, you know, if they're running a seniors division on Sports Illustrated, I'm okay with it. You know, I don't see the big, especially given some of the other stuff that they're throwing our way. Yeah. The fact that there is a trans cover model for SI is, I mean, I, I just, I don't even know what to say. This is, do you remember, were you ever of the age where the arrival of the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue was a really big deal? Yes. What woman was on the cover? You remember I, this. I remember, and it was a big deal. I remember when Heidi Klum was on the cover, yep. and Elle McPherson, and Kathy Ireland, and these were the icons of female beauty that you and I grew up with. I mean, you were in your 30s, but I was in high school, <laughs> and these are the these are the ladies that we would see. I remember at my Jesuit school, it's funny, they, you, uh, cause we used to have our lockers, you know, and, the, and they, they banned, you couldn't have Maxim magazine oh, yeah. or swimsuit, uh, issue of Sports Illustrated. And it almost was like something that you, it was like cigarettes. We had to smuggle them into prison, so to speak, you know, we had to smuggle in our Maxim magazines and our uh, Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. This is the thing hey. people don't worry about anymore. It was a much more innocent era because the internet really didn't exist. So there wasn't, like, it wasn't super easy to find attractive women not wearing very many clothes. So the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue was a huge deal. For those of you out there who are younger than, than Buck and, and, and I are, like, in the 1980s and the 1990s, this was a massive thing. Like, you would be super excited to see who was on the cover. It was a monster story. And they made so much money. I mean, Sports Illustrated, the most profitable single part of their entire business was, I believe it would come out in February, sometime after the Super Bowl. And the reason why they started it was because it was kind of a dead sports window. And it turned into the most profitable element. And now the fact that they are just throwing random trans people on the cover it feels desperate. I don't really care about the the idea. Look, if you're 80 and you're in good health, congratulations to you. I have no issues with that in any way, expanding that audience. But just putting 
a dude pretending to be a woman on the cover of Sports Illustrated. It's another example, Buck, and this was what we were talking about off air. The University of Wyoming has got a lawsuit right now because this random dude decided that he wanted to be in the sorority. Now, you might think to yourself, well, this guy's brilliant. You know, he's getting to live in the sorority house. He's like, not a good-looking dude, let's be honest. Hey, okay, wait, not hold on. He's woman. not just a random, random dude. This dude is six foot two, two 260 pounds, and he is now a member of the Kappa Kappa Gamma University of Wyoming sorority. And Living in the, the sorority house. Yes. Yes. And all of the girls are saying this is really weird and they don't like it. Um, because they, they obviously thought this was a sorority house. Um, but the school, I guess the rules are that it has to be open to trans, trans women. Uh, this is, I'm just never, never going to budge on this. I don't know what to say. You know, they, they can push as much as they want. They can say whatever they want. If you give in on this one, folks, you've given in on, on basically everything because they can get you to believe or say anything. They say in the lawsuit that he is still attracted to women. So again, a part of me thinks this 6'2", 260-pound dude pretending to be a chick, he might be brilliant because there's a huge percentage of guys out there listening right now who are like, man, in my fantasy world, I got to live in a sorority house. Kappa Kappa Gammas are, I, in my experience, a lot of them really gorgeous, depending on the campus. I know that sororities, you know, like the, the they have different reputations and whatnot Quite. depending on the school. I mean, this is from this is from the lawsuit, okay? That Langford, this six foot two, two hundred and sixty pound guy, quote, has while watching members enter the sorority house, had an erection visible through his leggings. <laughs> Other times, he keeps a pillow in his lap to cover it up as the women are. Like, I mean, just and I want to be clear: if you had the women of the view. If you had the women of The View right now joining us virtually or whatever, and we asked them about this, they would say six foot two, 260 pound Artemis Langford is a chick. I'm sorry. Artemis Langford <laughs> sounds like the made up name of the dude, of the dude who would pretend, who would pretend to be a chick in a sorority. Like in the 1980s, if they had made this movie, this dude's name would have been Artemis Artemis Lambert. <laughs> I mean, come on. He's got a penis, and he's sitting around with erections in the sorority house? I mean, you can't even make this stuff, this stuff up. I mean, the poor girls are filing a lawsuit because he got admitted to the Kappa Kappa Gamma sorority. And he just six or sorry, Artemis Langford just walking around directions everywhere. He's living in a sorority house. Does he take showers? Does he get in pillow fights with these girls? Oh, I mean, I'm man. So, this is the most ridiculous, no pun intended, story that I have heard in a very long time. You know, elections come and go, and you know the the the, the freedoms we feel in this country may be under assault, and we've got challenges ahead. But at least none of you ever listen to this. He'd be like, you know what we should have? The six foot two dude who's two sixty covering up his lap with a pillow as a sorority girls walk by. That's normal. That's something we should that's we should all aspire to. Hey, I'll oh tell boy. you this, Buck. They ain't running on that defense in powder puff football. That man is going to that man slash woman is going to take over and collapse the pocket. Artemis Langford. 
More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 